because there aren't many African-American storytellers out there for, to, for one. So if we're not out there, how can you tell our story? Right. How can you give us a voice? How can how do you how do you know what it's like to um, to feel uh, to feel scared when you see a police officer um, following you? You know, how, how, how do you know, you know, how to feel anger when you see what's happened this summer? And like, here we go again and and believe it, you know, hoping that praying that something happens differently. But you know it's going to end up like what happened in the Breonna Taylor case with no charges, except for wanton endangerment, whatever that is. So if you've never, if you can't feel that way and put yourself in those shoes, it's hard for you to tell our story. It's hard for you to, to relate to, you know, like for me, it's, you know, I grew up in the one-pen projects. I saw drug transactions happen, right? Many of us have seen that, you know, many of us know of people that we grew up with who were murdered. You know, I have two people who I knew and one of them actually inspired me to write who was murdered. You know, so. So for me, this type of platform is important. Right. Because you begin to learn about what makes a person tick. You begin to um, share the story. And sometimes it's therapeutic for people, right? Uh, to just, you know, share what's on their minds. And sometimes they don't know how to do that. I want to create something that I wish my younger self could have had when I first entered the profession which is a platform to serve and impact the next generation of coaches. Young coaches, young professionals, young leaders, they need to see black faces and they need to um, know their story. Personal lives are generally publicized within our profession. So our platform will be very unique because our guests will all share their powerful stories to help our listeners unlock their potential greatness. Guys, man, this episode right here, and we got Rob Knox. He is the Associate Athletic Director for Strategic Communications at UNC Greensboro. Greensboro. Man, this is somebody that if you look at his resume, um, if you look at the people that he's worked with, you can easily understand that he's super duper talented um, and great at what he does. Um, Rob has a background, you know, writing, journalism, um, SID. And, you know, if you work in college athletics, you know you got to be a special type of person to be an SID um, and to love it and to also let your talents be showcased the way the way his has been. Um, I'm just get right to it, man. We it's, it's, it's so it's so interesting because, you know, when I reached out to Rob about being on our show, I had no idea of what type of story I was going to get from him when we interviewed him. Um, you know, if you look at his social media, you see, um, you know, how he supports others, how he's a, a servant, how he is just pretty much, you know, he's that dude in the in the communications world. Like he he he's the goat of communications and um, in college athletics, but. Um, you know, I, I didn't really know his background. I just knew that he was um, successful in his in his space, and I knew that he was a, a servant. Um, 
But, you know, just like in any other episode, any other guest we bring on, uh, Nick and I, what we do, we, we want to know how, right? We want to know what do you have to go through to become, um, you know, good, great at what you do and also um, navigate through the profession of college athletic sports um, and also being Black. And um, we we got that in this episode, man. We was we dug deep. Um, Rob was super transparent. Rob was um, honest about his his process, and that that's what um, that's what we long for when we interview people. Um, super humble dude. Uh, if you talk to him, you see him out. You will never guess of just about how accomplished he is, and that's just a testament to um, his approach to serving one and also um, just his humble spirit. Amazing dude. And I'm excited for you guys to hit this episode. Rob is a big time dude. I mean, you just said it. Uh, his humble spirit. His humble spirit is very contagious throughout the entire conversation. You know what I mean? I'm telling you, it was hard. I, I think it was hard for him to talk about himself because he know that like, I don't do what I do for me. I do what I do for others. But we had to pat him on his back and give the man his crown throughout the conversation because, I mean, he was big time. Like he, like he said, you know, he's someone um, that once, one, we deem black excellent, but two, uh, I mean, he he has, he has had tremendous success when it comes to communication um, at the collegiate level, and then obviously at the high school level, because obviously you can't go, can't take away from what he's done. You know, shout out to his his old stumping grounds, Chester, PA, um, to where I mean he came up, and I know my favorite player he covered, Allen Iverson. I know Isha's favorite player he covered in high school, um, Kobe Bryant. <laughs> You know, and it's he's not somebody that's gonna gloat and bask in that. That's just his job. His job was how do I create a beautiful story to tell the world about this specific individual? Um, and that's what we try to do throughout this conversation is how could we, you know, create a conversation and highlight a story about Rob. Um and I thought we did a pretty decent job at that. Um Rob Rob, to me, uh, is someone that I think we all can learn from. Every single one of us, we can learn something from Rob. Um, because, again, his humility was was off the charts. His spirit, his attitude, uh, his passion, how much he cares about people. I mean, it was just – it was it was a it was a beautiful thing to feel and see throughout this conversation, and I, I hope you guys really enjoyed because I know me and Ish had a wonderful time doing it, um, and I know we grabbed a lot of, of of positive nuggets as well. Man, absolutely. You, we, we want to basically get into how can you make it out the mud, right? Uh, we all know how difficult it is to navigate through America as a black person in general. Um, but not only be, become successful, but be the best at what you do. Um, continue to create opportunities for yourself. And also, um, you know, enjoy the journey on the way. But I, I tell you, Rob, Rob come from the mud and he made it out the mud 
and his story is so inspirational. Um, and like, like I said, it's, it's not something that you'll necessarily guess because of the way you, when, when you make it, you, you have to be something that we have to show up a certain way. Right. And, you know, the, the stuff that we cover in this episode or any of our episodes is not necessarily something that you just guess. Um, and that's the beauty of what we're trying to do in our purpose. And I would say um, one, this episode is probably one that I'm most proud of because, um, you know, he's not a coach. He's not somebody that you know this. Or he's, not, he's not somebody that's just in the limelight. He's the servant. And, and he has to serve others and tell the stories of others. But what he has to go through to get to his level of success and to, to get the opportunities that he um, gets is the same thing that anybody else do. It's the same, it's the same process that any other, that a coach or an AD or people that you, you know, glamorize and things like that. It's the same story. Everybody got to make it. Everybody got to go through something um, to continuously um, maximize their potential. And man, you're you're gonna learn a lot from from this here, man. We we get into it, and it's gonna surprise you. It's, you're gonna laugh, um, you're gonna enjoy it, and and you're definitely gonna learn something. So, man, get your pen, get your notebook out. Um, and here's our interview with Rob Knox. Rob, welcome to the show. We really appreciate you being here with us. Hey, I, I appreciate you guys having me. I'm, I'm so blessed to be here this afternoon. Absolutely. This is the Black Excellence in Sports podcast. So we we highlight those who we believe have demonstrated Black excellence. We want to highlight their voice, their story, and their testimony to inspire others to unlock their greatness. Rob, how do you define Black excellence? What comes to mind when you hear that that term? Wow, Black excellence is, is so um, it's so comprehensive, but I... I, I just defined it simply as just, um, you know, being um, being optimistic, being positive, uh, going going out and just, you know, thinking about others and, and trying, you know, trying to uplift and empower your community. Uh, when, when I think of black excellence, it could be in any arena. It could be in politics. It could be in um, athletics. It could be in business. It could be in music, entertainment. Uh, I, I think that, you know, for me, you know, black excellence um, to just uh to just turn it specifically to, to me, I just think black excellence is just, um, you know, l- looking out for people and try to lift, you know, lift others as, as, as you rise. And, um, I'm, you know, obviously we'll, we'll get into it more, uh, during, during the show, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm big on, you know, the next generation helping out others and, and being there for, for, for other people. Uh, so for me, black excellence is just, um, just all, it's, it's all comprehensive, just, uh, uh, doing, doing those things that are right when nobody else is looking, um, just, you know, w- working in the dark and, and, and um, make, making a difference. Rob, mm-hmm. talk about some people um, that have demonstrated black excellence to you throughout your life. Um, so th- throughout my life, uh, you know, I, I, obviously um, my, my parents, um, Robert and Vivian, um, they've, you know, they, they, they've guided me and they, they, they kept me and, um, they made sure I stayed out of trouble. Uh, you know, I grew up in the Wilm Penn projects in Chester, Pennsylvania, uh, a lot of drugs, a lot of crime, um, you know, a lot of murders, 
so it was a, it was a really difficult environment, and and you know my parents kept me straight. Uh, we were in the projects, you know, we, you know obviously we didn't have a whole lot, but you know we had love, and that was the foundation of everything. And then you know as I was fortunate to evolve through um, through Chester and, and Chester High School, you know um, got was able to you know uh, be be a basketball manager at, at Chester High School and. You know, so Fred Pickett, God rest his soul, Alonzo Lewis, two of the most successful coaches in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, you know, really took me under their wing and, and made sure that um, uh, made sure that that I was taken care of. And then obviously, um, you know, I got I got into a, um, a summer program, summer uh, enrichment program called um, Upward Bound at Swarthmore College. And that was that was life changing for me at the time as a, as a teenager. Um, because it was just such a nurturing environment led by Edward and Dolores Collins. And, and to me, they were the epitome of black excellence. They were married, they had a good life, but they always gave back. They looked out for people. Um, and they, and, and they never, you know, they never once complained or anything like that. They just wanted to make sure everybody else was doing well. So I had those examples even before I got to Lincoln, even before I, you know, even started my career. So I already had, you know, six examples of black excellence in my, um, in my short life before I was 18 years old, that, um, that really, really paved the way, really got my mind on race. It really, um, provided the, the roadmap, um, to, to success. And then, I, uh, then when I got to Lincoln, um, uh, again, more basketball coaches, uh, Robert Byers and Andy Heyman, um, you know, really took me under the wing as I worked with the Lincoln university men's basketball program. And so, so for me, just, um, just those, as a youngster, just, you know, trying to find my way in the world before I graduated college. And now, um, you know, wow, I'm like 20, whew, I'm like 22 years, 22, 23 years deep into my career, Ble a blessed one I might add. And I mean, I see examples of black excellence, you know, all the time. Um, obviously my lens is, um, my lens is, is college athletics. So there are like, there's so many people in college athletics that, that I admire and respect and love and, um, you know, uh, I'm I'm just I'm just honored to to be considered that people consider me as one of the um, as one of the influential people in college athletics um, for for what I've done uh, because I don't think I've done um, anything different than anybody else other than just you know care about people you know be passionate about what what I like to do and you know just have fun and and um, and just try to um, you know be a resource for people. So, um, you know, hopefully as we get through, you know, as we, as we go through the car, I'll be able to, you know, share, you know, share specifically with, you know, some of the people I'm talking about at College Athletics, but it's, it's, it's so many, um, that, I, um, that it's, <laughs> we'll probably be here to like next week. <laughs> Rob, um, yep. when you asked the, the black excellence question, you mentioned, um, working in the dark, um, when you look at your resume, I mean, you've worked with the most amazing people like Kobe Bryant, my, my favorite, one of my favorite person, Ally Iverson, Lisa Leslie. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. The people that you work with um, and working with ESPN, everything that you've done. Can you describe what working in the dark has been for you and um, what, what people don't really see and what, what the come up has been like as you have navigated through your career? I think uh, I think working in the dark is for me is um, studying my craft, reading a lot. I love to read. I, um, you know, I, 
read a lot of uh, sports magazines. I read a lot of sports um, books. I read a lot of leadership books. I read a lot of, you know, black history. Uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, I also read, you know, I also read, read the urban, urban novels too. Cause you know, sometimes you just gotta just get, get away from all the, you know, all the leadership and stuff. But I think, um, I think so, the, the biggest thing has been the, um, for me, the reading and then writing, uh, because I love writing, I'm passionate about writing. So it's just always practicing that craft. And then, um, you know, th then also behind the scenes, um, is just, um, you know, just, just researching a lot, uh, and just trying to find, you know, finding opportunities or uh, or talking to different people who potentially could have opportunities for students that I mentor or students that I work with, um, or just you know just finding ways to be an asset to whatever organization I'm a part of at, at that uh, specific time. Um, one thing that people don't don't know, I don't necessarily I haven't shared it or I don't really share it as much, but um, you know when I was in high school, I always knew I wanted to be a sports reporter. So to that end, I would like write fictional game stories, you know, during classes, <laughs> probably not the best thing to do. But, you know, I would write fictional game stories and, you know, pretend that they were published in a newspaper or pre pretend they were published in a magazine and stuff like that. And, you know, have like clever leads and just really let my imagination run wild uh, back then, because, again, that's what I had aspired to to do. So um, for me, you know, again. Working in the dark is just practicing, practicing your craft um, and, and doing those things away from the glare of, um, of social media. I mean, we're in an era now where, you know, as and I, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it sometimes, too, is we put everything we do on social media uh, for whatever reason. Uh, and sometimes that's what people see. But again, people don't see the grind. People don't see the sweat. People don't see the hard work. It's, you know, you, you know, obviously you, you're a former you're a former basketball player. You know, people don't understand that, you know your 20 point games don't happen that the night of the game, it happens in the gym where you're getting up extra shots. So you're coming in early or, you know, you're sitting down, breaking down film or, you know, you know, those, those nuances there. Rob, earlier you spoke about um, uplifting and empowering those um, when you talked about your definition of black excellence, right? Mm -hmm. I know you have a great opportunity to do that. Um, through your writing, you, you spoke about your passion for writing. Why is that that art of storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. And highlighting someone else important to you? Well, uh, it's, um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it's an art to storytelling. Um, it's an art to crafting the narrative. And I think it's important to me that other people understand that they have one, that they can trust me to amplify their voice um, Two, that they um, have a platform where the information is going to be accurate and, and written from a perspective of um, caring about my person that I'm interviewing about. So if I'm writing a story on you, I'm going to take time and put energy into that piece to make sure it re it accurately reflects whatever conversation you and I have, uh, but uh, I, importantly, uh, you know, just having that opportunity to um, to tell stories, I think, are 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 really amazing to me, and they're transformative, right? Because you know, when, when I started at the newspaper, I covered high school girls soccer, and I covered high school sports. And I think when you get into when you get into when you cover high school sports, you have the mindset already 
that you were writing about people. So when you have that gra- that grassroots mindset of I'm going to write about people, I'm going to find something that's interesting about this person that people don't know and share that. And over time, what I was lucky to do, you build up trust, you build up anticipation, you build up excitement that, um, you know, it's funny now when I sit back and think, when I look back on it, the anticipation of, oh my God, Rob Knox is covering our game tonight. You know, maybe back then I kind of took that for granted because I'm sitting there like, oh, well, you know, I'm just, you know, just how the schedule works out. You know, I'm here, it's a big game, boom. But, you know, I never looked at it from, from the perspective of the athletes, the coaches, the fans, the cheerleaders, like, oh, Rob is here, this is a huge game, and I can't wait to pick up the newspaper tomorrow to see how Rob writes about this game. Um, so uh, so for me, it's just, you know, earning, earning that trust. And even, like, throughout college athletics, you know, I started at Lincoln University, which is my alma mater. And at the time, Lincoln never had they, – they didn't have a SID for a number of years. So, you know, I came in from scratch. I came in hitting the ground running. But because it was my alma mater, of course, I cared about the product we were putting out. I, I gen- not saying I don't care now at, at UNC Greensboro or Coppin or Kutztown or um, Towson, but at Lincoln, it took on special significance for me because of the fact that this is why I went to school. This is how people want to view my alma mater. And, you know, we had some really, we had some really talented kids. We had some really talented student athletes. There, I mean, my first year at Lincoln, we won a national championship at track. You know, and um, and the funny thing is, um, when we won, and this is you know, kind of uh, technology old school. When we won, I was out to dinner with uh, my wife, who was who was my girlfriend at the time. We was at Red Lobster, was with her family in Philly, and my assistant track coach called me and said, "Hey, yo, we won," and I already knew what that meant, and. You know, so I go outside, take the phone call, come back inside, tell my wife. I'm like, yo, um, we, you know, Lincoln won the, won the track championship, national championship. So when we get back to your house, I'm going to, you know, be spending the rest of the night, you know, telling that story and, and, and writing. And the next day, you know, I was able to arrange for news news stations to meet the team at the airport as they as they got, you know, as they came home with the trophy. So, I mean, it's, it's little things it's, to me, it's things like that, that you know, help you build that trust and help you, um, you know, let people know that there's more to student athletes than just with, than just this sport. But there's a pride factor too. There's a, there's a satisfaction knowing that you are giving that student athlete an opportunity to tell their story. Rob, um, earlier you mentioned, you said, I didn't do anything different. I just cared about the people. Right. You, you kind of slid that in there. That's a, that's a <laughs> difference, you know, is a lot of people, um, you know, it could be SID, it could be a coach, it could be anybody in a leadership or influential position that don't care about the people. Um, and, you know, maybe that's your secret weapon and you being able to build that trust. I mean, that's huge as well. Um, you mentioned that. So how are you able to build that trust with the student athletes or the people that you serve in general? And what would you tell either a young journalist or a young coach who's trying to build trust with their players? Um, what, what are they missing and what have you done to be able to you know, bridge that gap? That's a really good question. I, I think that the, be- the beauty about leadership 
is that there's no one size fits all, right? There's so many different ways to lead and have an impact and have influence. And I think for me, the the best way to build trust is just only know one way to be, and that's me. Like I'm I'm a person that's just naturally curious. I'm a person that's naturally likes to have fun. You know, I like to ask questions. Uh, I like to get to know you. I, you know, and again, I'm I'm genuinely caring about people in general. And I think that you know one thing that that, that you will say about me uh, is that anybody who, if you asked about Rob Knox, it would be you know he really cares about people. He's he's real cool with people. Uh, he gets to know them. So I think the I think for coaches and, and, and young people coming up, I think the best thing is one only thing you can do is be you. Uh, and, and, and the second thing is, um, you know, just get to know people, just ask questions. And, and yeah, it's hard. And, it's, and sometimes you do feel awkward. Uh, obviously I'm, um, I'm six months into my new job here at UNC Graysboro and, you know, obviously with, with the pandemic and a whole bunch of other factors, I don't necessarily feel like I have the relationships that I would like to have at this point with my student athletes, but, um, but at the same time, I'm being consistent about how I'm interacting and how I'm speaking with them. And, you know, obviously, you know, there's some intentionality um, um, behind that and just um, ultimately support people. Like when people know that you are supporting and encouraging them, supporting and encouraging them consistently, they're naturally going to going to gravitate to you. And and again, you know, we, we've all heard that, you know, people don't really um, people don't really um, care um how much you know until they know that you care and i think you know for me that's um that's really um that's really appropriate and important because you know i could sit here and say well i know all this about how to be an sid or how to work athletic communications i know all this out of espn and say i have so much knowledge because i read but that doesn't mean a hell of beans if (laughs) if i don't um if I show you, if I don't, you know, actually care about you as a person, if I don't necessarily take the time to get to know you and you feel, you feel that love and you feel um, like, you know what, not Rob really, you know, he really cares about us. So you just got to be you at the, at the end of the day. I think, I think that's the biggest thing is, is being you. And I think that's helped me um, throughout my, throughout my career. Cause I, I don't know any other way to be, um, you know, uh, I've just, you know, I've always been raised. I've, you know, my parents, my, you know, my grandparents, my family, you know, is, is that, that you care about other people. And, and as a, as a journalist, you know, I think I never wanted to be that reporter that was just out to just try to find um, scathing stories on people or uh, try to bring people down and things of that nature. Rob, obviously you've had many different roles in leadership um, throughout your career, all right? Talk to our audience about um, your thoughts on the future of Black leaders and college athletics, and why is it important to you to have representation for all of us? Well, it's definitely important to have representation because, you know, ultimately you can't be what you can't see. And, you know, now there's a whole generation of uh, there's a whole generation of kids now that believe black kids that believe they could be the president of the United States because they saw Barack Obama um, accomplish that. Uh, so for me, it's, it's really important that that there's representation uh, at all levels of uh, leadership in college athletics uh, from the athletic director's seat 
to uh, the senior woman administrator seat, to associate ADs, to athletic communicators, and not just, you know, athletic communicators in, um, in entry-level or mid-level roles, but like senior-level athletic communicators. Uh, and there's been no more important time than now um, for athletic communicators to be in that senior-level decision-making um, seat uh, when it comes to, you know, a lot of schools with um, – you know, highlighting um, the social injustices, providing platforms for the student athletes, uh, come you know, writing statements and be you know, and, and striking the, the the correct tone, um, and not coming off as tone deaf. And you know, for me, being the um, being the second black president of Cosida uh, during the 2018-19 school year was significant for me and it's it's taking on more significance now that i'm you know <laughs> now that i'm out the role and off of the uh, co-signer board because when i was president um i was the first black president uh, in 36 years uh so clearly you know i personally never saw a black president of co-signer <laughs> you know since, since i joined the organization in 2004 but it's something i do i wanted um but, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of hard work, with, you know, goes into that, too. But um, I'm proud to say that my friend, my my sister, actually, um, Jessica Poole, who's the senior associate AD for senior. I, I don't know what her title is. She's, she's important and she's awesome. Uh, Jessica Poole at Chicago State. She's going to be the co-signer president in two years. So now she'll be the first black female co-signer president. And. The the biggest thing that warms warms my heart is is not thirty six years between black presidents. So um, so I think that you know the the representation definitely matters. I think that I'm encouraged. Uh, we still have a lot of work to do, no doubt. But I'm really encouraged at um, the what what I'm seeing, like senior level um, athletic directors being hired. Like, I mean, we just had uh, Dr. Wood hired at Louisiana Tech um, last week. Uh, my man, Dwayne Peavy uh, from UK, as, as Aisha know, um, you know, he just took the job. He just took the, took the job at DePaul. So it's, um, you know, Elliot Charles is at Chicago State. So, I mean, you know, there's, it's, it's churning, right? Um, obviously, it's, it's not where we want it to be, but you know, there's um, and, and, and there's, there's a lot more uh, there's a lot more talented um, black athletic administrators in the pipeline that, you know, in the next one or two years will, you know, will be in the chair, and w- which is exciting. And, um, you know, I feel I feel so um, empowered and so excited that the future is is moving is moving in, in the right direction and you know as we've learned this summer with you know with activism and um our voices activism is different to everybody some people are like in the streets some people are behind the scenes some people are writing and and and, and everything like that so it looks different for everybody um but the, the one thing is you know activism change is incremental so as much as we want stuff yesterday, we have to we have to celebrate these victories because that means that the road is getting better. But again, we can't rest. We can't stop. We have to keep moving forward. Rob, I love how you um, started that answer off with "be you," um, and it seems it seems so simple. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> I had. 
I recently over quarantine, I, I recently got certified in um, in human mastery behavior and and I'm certified in disc attributes and values. And when I was being trained, we lean we, we lead with um, a study that the organization did that, that trained us is that the most successful people, um, like extremely successful people, the only thing that they had in common is that they are self-aware and they um, and they're authentic. Those are the only two things um, out of, you know, studying these successful people. These are the only two things that these people had in common. Um, so my question for you is like, how do you, um, you know, with, with, with athletics, all the egos, all the different, you know, places you got to go, all the people you have to connect with, how do you stay true to yourself and kind of, you know, even if it, even if it's been hard, how, how do you continue to get back to yourself? What's kind of your mindset with, okay, I, I might've got off course. I might've, this might happen. I might've came outside of myself real quick, but let me get right back. What's that, what's that process like for you and making sure that you are always staying true to yourself? Well, really good question. Again, uh, I think, uh, I think it's been growth, honestly, because I, you know, I, when I started early in my career, I wasn't, um, I was very emotional. I was very, I took things personal. Um, you know, there was times, um, you know, I had got to an argument with one of my basketball coaches at Lincoln. We argued outside of a McDonald's and, you know, I really didn't care. Uh, obviously I wouldn't do that now because I'm more self-aware than I know. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I'm still evolving for one. So, you know, I feel that I'm in a better place to control myself. Um, but I can't, you know, say that tomorrow, it, you know, it won't happen or anything like that. I think the biggest thing for me is um, when I feel myself getting off centered and, and off balance. You know, I try to meditate. I try to pray. I try to, you know, remember my why. Uh, and then, you know, if it's not going to matter to me in 15 minutes, then, you know, why why worry about it? And, you know, I've worked with some really – I've been blessed. I've worked with some really good um, hit, hit coaches for um, in, in basketball and just other coaches in general. And, you know, I've learned not to be married to a to an issue or married to a stat or married to a story or whatever the case may be. Uh, because when you're an athletic communicator, again, you're in the people business, so you're serving others. And I've always taken a customer, a, a customer, customer service mentality to working with um, my – my coaches and my student athletes, because at the end of the day, they have to be happy. I mean, obviously your constituents, your fans, your alumni and all that good stuff, you know, you know, they have to be taken care of too. And they have to be happy. But I think that if you take care of home, everything else, um, everything else goes, um, uh, everything else falls into place. So I think that um, just, um, you know, just understanding what's important. Um, and then just going back to meditate and praying and, you know, just, really understanding your why kind of, kind of help, helps me through that. But again, it was a, it was an evolving process, right? So it took me some time to get to a level of peace and serenity to just be like, you know what? I'm, I'm good. I will, I'll let it go. If that's what you want, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to argue. We'll do it. And, and I think, you know, that, and, and, and that helps. And, you know, it's not that, you know, I'm, I'm not selling myself out. I'm not selling my soul or this. Or other. I mean, I've, I've pushed back on, on things and I'm fortunate that I've earned trust from my coaches that they they trust 
are um, they they trust my decision making. And you know, behind closed doors, we may have uh, some you know some really heated debates or some really interested, some passionate discussion. But once that door opens, and I think this is how everybody how you should be. Once that door opens, whatever is it said, everyone stays in that room. You don't take it personal. You just keep it moving. Whatever y'all agree to, you do it. And you keep it moving. You don't, you know, throw it back in his face or her face and, you know, have an attitude the rest of the day, the rest of the year. Rob, you said a mouthful right there because I can, uh, <laughs> I can, <laughs> I can talk about a lot of personal, you know, personal situations that I've encountered throughout my career where, yep. um, you know, I've heard people make comments about, man, you're being too emotional. You're taking things too, you know, too personal. And I think obviously from the, you know, our natural qualities in, of life, especially as human beings, um, we all can say that we, we're not emotional, we're not personal, but that's just, that's just an innate quality I think that everybody shares. But it's the fact that, like you said, being intentional about your growth and understand that, you know, there's going to come a time where you're going to evolve. Um, but you got to be mindful. And obviously you spoke about that, you know, with the meditation and obviously the prayer, but, but Rob, I want to ask you this because we got a lot of listeners that can relate to exactly what you just said. Pretty much probably everybody. I would love for you to tell me kind of how old you were when that happened. Like when you kind of had that encounter Mm -hmm. and then, and then what did that process truly look like? Because for me, when most people get into the profession, they already think they have their why. So like we all can say, well, I went back to my why. I go back to my why. Um, but I think there's another level that you have to to be able to get to in order to understand not only what your why is, but then what you have to do in order to to kind of, you know, evolve and grow. So you follow me? Uh-huh. Okay, so yeah, just take our take our listeners through that if you don't mind. I love to hear that. No, no, no problem. Um, so I had just started in in the business. Uh, this was my second year at Lincoln, so I was like thirty one, thirty two. So I probably was a little older, but again, I started because athletic communications. This this wasn't a profession that I aspired to be in. Like I didn't aspire to be in athletic communications or work in college athletics. After all, my goal was to be a sports reporter, which I accomplished by the time I was 26. Uh, just so having that situation at Lincoln just opened up and they asked me if I wanted to, you know, if I wanted to do it, I said, well, yeah, sure. You know, so my second year, um, we had just, uh, we had just won a big, no, we, we lost. We, we lost, a, we lost a game on the road by two points to, to Albright college uh, and they, Albright college, you know, division three school in Reading. And they were um, they were nationally ranked at the time, so we came real close to like pulling like a really uh, a, a good upset on the road. Uh, so once the game was over, um, I you know I walked into the locker room like I usually do, you know, try to hand the coach a stat sheet. He just like knock it out, you know, um, not now, this that the other. So I got you know I took I got I got offended by that. I got you know I was like, what the heck, you know? I got like really upset about that. That bothered me. Like, I just couldn't let it go. Now, at the time, again, it's not like I had somebody at the time in the business that I could just, like, call and be like, yo, can you believe what just happened? And somebody could, like, talk me out of it or calm me down. So we had stopped at McDonald's, and I um, I shared, you know, I said to him, I was like, "Uh, I feel like I need to pay to watch you guys play because I don't feel like I'm a part of this program. 
He's like, what you say? I said, like, I don't feel like I'm part of their program. I was like, you treat, you know, you always, you know, you treat me, um, you treat me like dirt, and you know, I'm just like here, you know. And he was like, make out my face to say other. I was like, no. And you know, we got to like a heated argument outside and, and stuff like that. I mean, coaches got between us, and a couple players got between us and stuff like that. Um, obviously, the next day, I was up in the AD's office, um, and I again, I really didn't care at that point. I was just like, whatever. But um, you know, again, you 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 learn and you evolve from that from that situation. And um, you know, fortunately, there were some people on staff that were able to talk to me and just say, "Hey, this is you know how you gotta look at you know working with him and understand who he is and this that and the other." So you know, there was always tension there, um, but we were able to you know put aside that for me to do what I needed to do. And it just so happens that those two years, Lincoln men's basketball um, had went to the Division three tournament and went to the Sweet Sixteen each year. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of um, obstacles along the way <laughs> with that, uh, with just, you know, some of the situations I found myself in as just as a professional and just as growing and just, you know, having to tell the story and control the narrative and, um, and things of that nature, uh, which, you know, still me for the rest of my career. But, yeah, it's, you know, at, at that time at McDonald's, you know, I'm not thinking about my why I'm thinking about, you know, why can I come in the locker room after the game? So I guess that's why I went to go in the locker room after the game. Looking back on it, why did I need to go in the locker room? I I really didn't. So, but again, you evolve, you know, you evolve from that. You know, we had just lost, we lost a tight game on the road, you know? So, so again, when you sit back and you take yourself out of situations and you look and you, and you think about it, you, you're like, yeah, Rob, that was kind of dumb. <laughs> that wasn't smart, right? <laughs> but um, you know, again, I think as as I've been able to move through, you know, college athletics and you know all my and all the stops, including the the, the time at ESPN, you you do evolve, and that's what you would hope people do. You know, you tomorrow you hope to be better than you were today. You know, as always I said, you want to get one percent better every day, and I believe that that's happened to me through the good, through the bad, through the adversity, through the, you know, the highlights, the lowlights, you know, that's, that's happened to me because again, fail, you know, failure is inevitable. We're all going to fail in life, you know, or we've all failed at least once or twice in our life or whatever the case may be, which is, which is cool. Uh, but you know, how do you respond to that? Right. What's the lesson learned from that? You know, how does that make you better? And if it's not a failure, you know, we've all been turned down for, for, um, for jobs or we've all been finalists for positions for, for, for jobs and, and did not get them. You know, before I came to UNC Greensboro, I was a finalist for two jobs and, you know, got on campus and thought I had a good shot at both of them. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't my time. You know, so how do you take that frustration and turn that into purpose? Um, so for me, again, it's just, you know, you, you live and you learn. Like I'm just sitting here thinking about that the incident. I'm like, wow, Rob, you was really you was really special back then. <laughs> wow, man. That I mean that that story right there is going to help. <laughs> um and I knew it was something in there. I knew it was something in there. Um and so many people struggle with that. So many people struggle with take it personal, don't take it personal. How do I respond? And the big thing about it, what they, what makes people successful is how they respond to things. And um, and like you said, evolving is a process and things like that. Um, I want to plug a book because people, when 
I, I was like that a bunch. I mean, I'm I still am take, you know, I'm I'm really big into my work and things like that. It's like, dang, how do we not take it personal? So the four agreements, that book changed my life when I was um struggling with I'm going to order it. <laughs> <laughs> when I was struggling with that as well. Um the four agreements. So like I said, wow, thank you so much for the answer and thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So uh we're gonna transition here. Um okay. You know, we want. I want to talk about you know you, you navigating yourself through your career as a black man. Um, how do you, um, you know, how do you do that? You know, what what's kind of your mindset as you navigate yourself through your career, and also like you know what separates you as well? What makes you confident in your abilities? You know, even with you know everyone knows you have the talent, but besides the talent, what makes you confident in um, you know standing on your own too and, and navigating yourself? You know through this career uh i think this is gonna come as a, as a surprise to everybody that's listening to this is i think that i think people are more confident in me than i always am in myself um you know i had my associate athletic director at at Coppin state uh, alicia shields gasset who's who's been who's a, a phenomenal mentor to me um and a good boss uh shared with me she said you know, you have the competence, but your confidence doesn't match your competence. And she said, when that happens, there's going to be, you're going to have, there's going to be a lot of, you're going to have a lot of breakthroughs in your life. And, you know, at that time, I didn't necessarily comprehend that, you know, because again, I just kind of relied on my talent, relied on my hunger, relied on my passion, relied on my relationships, um, you know, I knew that I did a, a good job, but I think sometimes you straddle the line of being, you know, being too humble to not give yourself credit because you don't want to come off as conceited or stuck up or whatever the case may be. And so I think for me, that's always, that's been a constant battle. And I think recently I've just kind of like embraced a lot of things like it was interesting on um, Jim Williams at Alabama state who I love to death and who's another sister and mentor to me. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, that she used to say all the time, she used to call me co-signer royalty. And at the time I would always be like, no, oh, no, I'm just regular. You know, I'm just, this is a other. Um, and then again, she pulled me to the side one day and she said, you need to begin to embrace it. Because what you're doing, not a lot of people are doing. You are about to be president of Cosida as a black man. You need to be proud about that. You need to be happy about that. You need to embrace it. So, you know, just recently, the last few years, maybe like the last 18 to 24 months for Ruffaro, is I started to fully embrace the fact and accept what I've done in my career. And own it and you know credit that success to not only you know a relentless work ethic um passionate but again i mean i mean of course i've been lucky to come across some people and um and been in situations that's allowed me some visibility and has allowed me some growth you know i don't know where i would be now if it wasn't for the NCA leadership institute in 2015 2016 uh, to be honest with you, because that program, that program significantly changed and enhanced my life. 
Um, you know, you, you're with your cohort. Uh, so it was 20 of us. And, you know, to this day, they are like my rocks, my friends. Uh, you know, we laugh together, we joke together, but we, we tell each other the truth. And, you know, it was like the first time where, where people, where I realized like people actually cared about me, like really genuinely cared about me. And, and they saw more in me than I saw in myself. And when you hear that from them, who they know me because we met, you know, through, through the Leadership Institute, but hadn't really been around me prior. But when they saw that the things that I was doing or capable of, um, it was like, no, Rob, you know, you're really good. You need to, again, you need to embrace that. And so, you know, to people, to people out there, I'm not, you know, obviously those who really know me know my heart. They know my spirit. They know the type of person I am. Um, but I think it's okay to, to, um, not so much pat yourself on the back, but to kind of say, Hey, look at some things that I've accomplished or look at some of the things I was, I was responsible for, or had a hand in. Um, I, I think that's okay. I think sometimes as athletic communicators, we struggle with that because we are behind the scenes people, right? We want to make sure as like you, like we started out earlier today, we, you know, we talked about, you know, telling each other, telling pe- other people's stories. Like that gives us joy that we're behind the scenes, that we made it happen, that we helped, you know, you know, I've been fortunate in my career. I helped, I had a division two and division three men's basketball players a year. I don't know how many people in athletic communications can say that, you know, um, to know that the hard work that went into that, you know, yielded a payoff is, is pretty special. So I think that, uh, I just really started becoming confident in my ability and myself. And I think it's, um, I think going through the interview process the last year and a half um, and preparing for those interviews and studying and uh, talking to different people and being in um, around athletic directors and just asking them questions and hearing them think and hearing them talk. Uh, I think that just really helped um, help with my confidence. Like I know that, you know, I know I'm a good writer. I know I'm talented. I know I'm good with people. I know that, you know, there's people in this world that I've helped that has, have told me that. And so again, you know, I know that there's some good things I did as co-signer president or during my five years on the co-signer board that I was responsible for that I helped with. So, you know, why downplay it, right? You know, you had a hand and there's a reason why that, that, you know, I wanted to be a co-signer, be the president of co-signer. Hope that answers your question. See, Rob, that's why we have you on here, because we're going to pat you on the back. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we're gonna, I appreciate we're gonna it. Pat, yeah, we're going to pat you on the back, man, multiple times. Um, and I really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that, because I'll be honest with you. I've I've had doubt in myself as well, you know, along my career. And, and, and for me, you know, it's always good to have um, that circle around you of people that can continue to instill that confidence confidence in yourself or in you to where um, they help you along the way to let you know you're good enough uh, or you're better than what you think you are. Um, so again, man, really appreciate you sharing that. And the thing that I, I like about it too, though, Rob, is you share confidence because you're going to put the work in. I think you wouldn't be where you at, you know, if you didn't put the work in, you should have confidence in yourself, man, because you've accomplished so much and your work has shown that. 
You know what yes, I mean? So, so that's that's big time, man. But I want to ask you this, um, because again, like you said, you have doubted yourself. Has that doubt ever held you back or hurt you along your journey in your career? Um, I'm gonna say I, I think so. Um, I, I think so a lot. Um, I think I think it's just been recently that I've like you know, really started to, you know, come out my comfort zone uh, like a year and a half or, or two ago. I mean, obviously I was out my comfort zone working at ESPN. Um, that was hard. Uh, that was a lot of work, uh, a lot of frustrating nights, uh, some some good moments there as well. But it was working at ESPN was totally different than anything I've ever done, done in my life up until that point. And, um, you know, I think, from a from a fair and doubt standpoint, because all I know is college athletics. From this, and I shouldn't say it like that, because I obviously I have experience outside of college athletics, but that's like my base. That's what I've done the last last few years of my life. Uh, I think the fear and doubt has helped me back from potentially uh, pursuing like pro opportunities or opportunities in you know communications outside of athletics and things like that. Because I you know doubt myself like, well, what if I'm not good enough? Or what all I know how to do is write about sports or you know, because like sports writing is a different type of writing than corporate communication and marketing communication and things of that nature. So uh, I think the fear and doubt has helped me back from uh, from really challenging myself more. Um, and I think that, you know, volunteering with um, ABIS is like one step to um, fully, you know, trying to come out my comfort zone. And I also have a other couple, couple other projects in the works that's not public just yet that's kind of allowed me to come out my comfort zone. And then, um, you know, I'll be again, transparent and honest here is that, you know, I've always, you know, for a, a good portion of my professional life, I've always said that uh, well, I don't really need a master's degree because I have the experience. Well, now I'm at the point where um, that's on my bucket list and that's on my to-do list is to get a master's degree. And before I got hired here at USCG, I got accepted to Taos's graduate program. Uh, Cause I, you know, I, I was like, well, if I'm gonna work there and they're going to pay for it. You know, why not, <laughs> why not do it? So now that I'm here at USCG, you know, obviously I want to get myself a year to get settled and, and learn to lay the land here and learn, learn to do my job and, you know, learn the, just learn everything. But, um, you know, the, the next step for me is is my master's degree because, um, you know, not that I need it, but it's nice to have and it's nice to continue to grow. And I think once you start uh, growing, there's like no limit to what you can become. And for me, the, as you mentioned earlier, the, the work does make you confident. And, you know, just being prepared also helps you be confident, right? So if you do the work and you do the research and you're prepared, you know, you kind of feel like that's you kind of feel like that that guy in like that kid in third grade that studied for the test and don't like all the answers, but like nobody else does. So you just keep raising your hand because you because you know all the all the answers. So um, so yeah, so I, I appreciate that question, and I think it's important that people understand that um, you know I'm far from a finished product. Uh, I'm proud of what I've done. I'm proud of um, where I am in my career right now. But as we all know, you know success isn't a destination it's a journey uh and the journey should be celebrated the journey should be um fun and you know you can't focus you always can't focus i I tell my son this all the time there's a process to everything 
Like we may know the answers. Like you, we may know what one plus one is, but how do you get to one plus one? What's what's the process? What's the work behind the answer? And I think when you get comfortable and wanting to go through the process, then then everything else, um, everything else be, um, becomes fine. Absolutely, absolutely. They um in algebra they say you got to show your work. <laughs> show your work. <laughs> get all the credit. <laughs> And if, even if you got the wrong answer, if you show your work, then sometimes you might get some points. So exactly, you gotta embrace that journey. Um, so speaking of embracing the journey, um, I want I want you to kind of take us back. Um, when was that moment where you know it could have been your first assignment, your second assignment, where you realize like, yo, I am good at what I, I'm good at this. I got I got a little future in this. I always like to, um, you know define that so to see you know what relates to other people and things like that so when was that moment for you when you was like hmm yeah I got a future in this <laughs> so um so I think that uh when I when I interned at the Philadelphia Air Choir I think it was like my third or fourth uh, football story um and I'm like wow I'm kind of good at this you know I mean 10 inches at the time was it's not it's not a lot it's not a lot of space it's probably like you know, 350 to 500 words. So it was like, boom, boom, boom. But, um, but cover high school football and, and, and doing that and, you know, having to keep your own stats and, you know, get the box score right, get the numbers together. And then interviewing the kids after a game, I was like, well, hmm, I like this. This could be fun. So this was like 1994 for, for newspapers. And then um, I think at college athletics, um, you know, at Lincoln, I think the, the aha moment was, when I learned how to, when I learned how to um, uh, upload files onto onto our website and like update the website and change it, because when I first when I got the link, we had a really archaic website. It was in house and it was just not maintained at all. So I was able to come in and update the website, maintain it, and try to and learn to transfer files over, um, you know, stat files for the website and stuff, so the stats could be updated. And um, you know, I never forget. Um, you know, we came back from Wilkes University from a basketball game and we got back to campus around 1 o'clock. I was like so excited to like, oh, I'm going to just update the stats. And I kept doing something wrong. I don't know what it was, but stuff wasn't update. And finally I got it. I, I figured it out somehow, but it was like 4.30 in the morning. So I ended up sitting in the office like 4.30 um, and then driving home, sleep, sleeping for like an hour and a half and then coming back the next day and, you know, start start a new day. But it was... um. I think those are like some of the aha moments for me. And, um, you know, when I got my first student athlete featured in Sports Illustrated at Lincoln, I was like, oh man, I'm coming full circle with, with, with all this. I'm like, I'm getting it. And, uh, and I understand that then, you know, we were able to bring back football at Lincoln. I was able to tell that story and, you know, get us on NFL films on presents, like NFL films followed us around for a whole year. Uh, as we, went through the process of starting the football program, having the interest meeting, having a homecoming scrimmage and the spring game. And then like our first game, which is like probably like one of the top three um, memories of, of my um, college life, because we had brought back football after um, 48 years and we played George Mason and beat them 34 to seven um, on, on that, on that August afternoon. And I mean, just, uh, so yeah, I, th- I think, I think that was a moment there. I don't think I've ever had a moment like that at ESPN where like, I got it. <laughs> uh, I had some, again, I had some good moments there, but I never like, I never fully felt like I was ever in control 
uh, at ESPN because when I learned one thing, there was like three more things that needed to be learned. So it was like the learning curve was always um, was always uh, evolving. But uh, what people don't know is, you know, uh, I my uh, yeah, I stopped at ESPN in 2013. You know, after you know, um, and and that turned out to be a blessing in disguise because it allowed me to get back into college athletics and. You know, coming back into college athletics after two years, uh, I realized how much the pr- profession had changed. Um, but, you know, the, the the blessing and all that is, you know, other doors had opened for me. You know, I had the opportunity to cover the WNBA, uh, which, you know, people who know me know I love women's basketball. And, you know, I'm passionate about women's basketball. I can tell you just about everything there is to know about the WNBA and women's basketball because I follow it. I'm, and I'm intentional about that. Uh, I'm intentional about giving women a voice. Um, I think that's I think that's important. I think that, you know, there's so much out there and I feel that, you know, not enough, um, not enough men positively support women for the right reasons. Um, and, you know, I, I want to make sure that all my attentions are are doing it for all the right reasons and encouraging them and empowering and uplifting uh, women specifically um, in college athletics, in the professional world. Uh, because again, we all need allies. We all need people to talk about us when we are not in those rooms to bring our names in, in, into those spaces. And I feel that if I have the opportunity to do that, then I will. That's big time, Rob. That's big. I appreciate time. that. Talk, talk, talk to our listeners though, because I love how you, you know, you really start talking about advocating for for women. Um, talk to our listeners and, and explain to them you know, from their platform, kind of how does that look and how can they also be able to advocate and help, you know, women, not only in sports, but in life as well? I think it goes back to just, you know, being genuine and, and, and being yourself. You know, it, it was it was sad. I, um, you know, I was talking to a colleague of mine not too long ago, and one of the things that, that he said about um, about his his friend who, who's a who's a woman is that every every male mentor that she had ultimately tried to ask her out and you know that my heart sank to my stomach when i heard that because i feel that's you know unfortunate and i think that's a misuse of trust and a misuse of uh, of power and that's why i say you have to be genuine and you have to do it for the right reasons it has to be you know if if you're just coming in just to try to you know um you know, get a date or waste somebody's time, they don't, they don't do it. Right. So I think that the ways you can advocate for women is, is, is real simple is um, supporting their work, amplifying their voices, uh, providing that encouragement, you know, encouraging word, a supportive word. But more importantly, if you see somebody else speaking out of turn, speaking out of line, correct them, you know, say something to them. Um, You know, so it's, it's there's so many talented um there's so many talented um women in sports and out of sports and just in this country in general that you know i think and honestly for me um there's been a lot of women who've influenced where i am now i mean i i, I mean i got some homies and, and and some guys that um that have you know helped shape me well i'm, I'm really blessed with with my circle of people who hold me accountable who don't allow me to make excuses and and feel sorry for myself and 
um, you know, and challenge me, right? They, 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 they like really push me, you know, people, you know, like China Jude at, at Wyoming, she like really challenges me. I mean, you know, I was mad, I got mad at her last year when we was preparing for, for an interview, said to myself, like, why not call her? You know, I should just call somebody that's like, you know, pat me on the back, like, yeah, that's good. But I, I was really happy about that. I was happy to be challenged. Uh, Siobhan Mansfield down at Florida Memorial University, who just, you know, who's the interim athletic director down there. That's, you know, that is, that's my sister right there. Love her to death. We've been through so much together. We rely on each other a whole lot. Um, you know, my, my former coworker at Towson, Bria Bennett. Um, she's just, uh, she, she's amazing. She's a future star in this business. And, um, you know, just to see her grow and evolve and see the passion that she has, you know, just really, really makes my heart good. But again, she's another one. Like when I was going through the whole job process the, the last, the, over the last year, she refused to let me feel sorry for myself. You know, she was like, no, you just you just keep on moving. Keep doing. You have a job. Keep doing what you're doing. Just keep focusing here. It's going to work out for you. And then, um, you know, that, down at Lamar University, Dee Tyler. I mean, she, you know, she's another one. I mean, it's just I mean, Denise Thompson at, at the uh, at the Big Sky Conference, Kanisha Rome at um, at Belmont. I mean, the, the, the list is, is for me, the list of uh, people who have like positively impacted my life. Um go go on and on and and they you know having them in my corner just um helps me uh with with every aspect of um of of what i do as you know people like sherrod williams out of texas and now commerce um ed hill i mean yeah ed hill at um at um howard well formerly at howard and you know um Eric Moore and Greg Goings and Kyle Serber at North Carolina Central, you know, so it's just, it's just, you know, so, so many people to shout out, you know, Ed Scott at Morgan State, the athletic director, you know, we, we had, this is one thing I miss about being, being in Maryland at, at Towson is um, we would go out to lunch like once a semester and, you know, we alternated who pays and stuff like that, but it was just like a fun way for us to just like really go out and get to know each other. And, and, you know, he didn't have to do that. Right. He's the athletic director. You know, he didn't have to, take time away to continually build a relationship with me. But he did. And so that's why it's important for me to pay it back to people. And then, you know, real fast about, you know, networking, you know, networking is interesting. Um, networking is work. At the end of the day, networking is work. It's like, you know, being strategic and being intentional about staying in touch with people, about communicating with, um, with other people, but doing it again for the right reasons, you know, if only time I hear from you is you trying to get a job or you trying to get a hookup, that's not really networking. Networking is like genuinely being co- concerned and, and supportive of what that person is about, what that person is doing. So if I work at USC Greensboro, you're trying to network with me after the initial conversation. If you see that USC Greensboro did something in the news or had a big basketball win or whatever the case may be, shoot a quick email or text. Hey, I saw that y'all beat this team or y'all did this or this and the other. At least that lets that person know that you invested and that you are um, paying attention. Or what I like to tell people is, you know, give people updates on what you've been up to. So, you know, hey, you know, I know we haven't talked since August, but here's what I've done. I did A, B, C, and D. Because now when you provide that update and something in there and you got some, you know, you got some, measurable action steps in there with some with some progress. Well now nine times out of ten that person's going to you know react to you like hey congratulations good job keep up the good work or whatever. So 
so again, I think it's uh, uh I think it's important that um, that networking be you know it's, it's a two way street, right? You know, so you have to believe that you have value to add to that connection too. I love that. Uh, I always say when people ask me about networking, I always say um, it's work. It's working. <laughs> It's a full-time job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I never heard about the, I read a lot about networking. I try and learn a lot about networking, but I never heard the provide updates on what you've been up to. Um, so that really awesome advice and insight on that. I'm going to start using that um, as well. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I want to ask you this though. How, how important um I mean, as a storyteller yourself, how important do you think it is for Black people, Black professionals to um, amplify their voice and to control the narrative of, you know, what we accomplish and what we do? Um, because basically, that's one of the reasons why me and Nick wanted to create this platform is because you don't hear these stories. You don't hear the things that what we need to hear. So how important do you think it is um, to control the narrative and to make sure we, we're being uplifted in the right ways? Uh, it's it's hugely important. Like I'm so honored to be on this podcast. And I'm so, so thankful for the work that you guys are doing and, and giving people voices because there aren't many African-American storytellers out there for, to, for one. So if we're not out there, how can you tell our story? Right. How can you give us a voice? How can how do you how do you know what it's like to um, to feel uh, to feel scared when you see a police officer uh, following you? You know, how, how, how do you know, you know, how to feel anger when you see what's happened this summer? And like, here we go again and and believe it, you know, hoping that praying that something happens differently. But you know it's going to end up like what happened in the Breonna Taylor case with no charges, except for wanton endangerment, whatever that is. So, you know, so if you've never, if you can't feel that way and put yourself in those shoes, it's hard for you to tell our story. It's hard for you to, to relate to, you know, like for me, it's, you know, I grew up in the one pen projects. I saw drug transactions happen. Right. Many of us have seen that, you know, many of us know of people that we grew up with who were murdered. You know, I have two people who I knew. And one of them actually inspired me to write who was murdered. You know, so. So for me, this type of platform is important. Right. Because you begin to learn about what makes a person tick. You begin to um, share the story. And sometimes it's therapeutic for people, right? Uh, to just, you know, share what's on their minds. And sometimes they don't know how to do that. So, you know, one of the things that, at USCG that, that, that we started this uh, series called Spartan Stories, in which, you know, is an opportunity for our student athletes and staff of color to share the story, wherever, wherever that story is, and help amplify, you know, help amplify their voice and, and share that as a way to um, share the, the impact of social injustices, racial inequities um, on us, but also provide a tangible solution and action step moving forward that can impact somebody else. Um, so I think all these stories and all these platforms are, are important for, for us to be able to, to share and impact the next generation. So I, I really appreciate that question. And, um, you know, I, I, 
I'll, I'll finish this question with this is, you know, I guess about two months ago, I was driving with my, um, with my nine-year-old son and, you know, just randomly, I just said to him, I was like, son, if we ever, if you with me, we get pulled over by the police, make sure you video it, but video it in a way where they don't know you're videoing it. You know, I shouldn't have to say it to my nine-year-old son. I mean, you know, the good thing is he's aware of everything that's going on and he asks a lot of questions. So we have a lot of discussions about it. But at the end of the day, I'm sitting there like, dad, as a dad, you know, when I was nine, my dad didn't have to, you know, tell me to film police. But then you look at the movie, The um, the Hate You Give, if you haven't seen that or read the book, you know, that's teaching the kids, you know, police position at a young age. So it's, um, you know, it's, it, it's hard to it's hard to share that if you don't know that experience. And as a storyteller and as a writer, because I'm black and because I know some of those struggles and I know what that feels like, it does help. It does help me add an additional layer to to situations like that and be a little bit more sensitive. Wow, Rob, I really appreciate you sharing that personal story. Um you know, that you, that you have with your son, because a lot of people don't know that behind closed doors, they, you know, they, they, they see us as, you know, Rob, the, the strategic communication or the associate of strategic communications at UNCG. They don't see Rob as the father that has to have those hard conversations with his son um, about, you know, what we have to do as, as black men and women in this world. And, and for us, you know, that's why, you know, that's another reason why we, we actually started this platform. Um, because I want, you know, I want people, to, if you want to accept us, if you want to understand us, um, then appreciate our story before we got to the status that you, that you quote unquote, appreciate more than, you know, who we are internally. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, because again, for us, man, we know that, uh, I know for us, each one of the guests we've had on so far, they got greatness way before they got, they had greatness in them way before they got to the status that that they have now as far as the title that other people in the world see. So um, really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, but Rob, man, again, thank you. Uh, thank you for being a part of this. You know, well, thank you, you are, for having me, man. Oh, absolutely, man. You are true. Uh, you're a true, true inspiration, man. And I, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of our listeners um, are going to be able to get a lot of nuggets um, and a lot of wisdom from, from this conversation that we had. But as we wrap up, you know, this is one thing that, you know, is very true and dear to our heart. Um, you know, today is your day. Uh, and today we do, <laughs> we know we want to honor you. I mean, really, um, we want to honor you. And uh, we did put you on the pedestal this this afternoon. Um, you are sitting among, amongst our throne, um, you know, and we gave you the crown uh, this afternoon. And so, you know, with that being said, Rob, because again, at some point we know, uh, especially with your humility, you're gonna wanna grace that crown to someone else. And when you do, what are the words that you wanna engraving that crown for that individual to have um yeah th th thank you again i mean it's it's been such a blessing being here and um i think that the words that the words of that crown is just is, is simple run your race be you 
care about others and, you know, dream big and keep working toward that. Um, cause I, I think, I think that's, that's, that's so important. Um, you know, a lot of times we get caught up in social media, looking at other people and seeing all, all the shout outs and all the accomplishments and, Hey, I got this job, I got that job to say other, and you know, you're struggling over here because you know, you didn't get a job, or whatever the case may be. And, and you may think that you're failing, but everybody's journey is different. Everybody's time is different. Uh, you know, once I learned about, um, one thing that's so true and you know, God's timing is undefeated and you know, you, you just have to believe that you got to have, you know, you got to have faith in the grind. You got to keep working. You got to pray. You got to be patient and you got to be persistent. I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to Rising Coaches for partnering with us and giving us this platform um, to share these amazing stories real quick. Guys, if you are not a member of Rising Coaches and you are in the basketball profession, you want to coach, you're a seasoned coach, you're a beginner coach, it does not matter. I want to encourage you to check out Rising Coaches. Um, Join Rising Coaches and become a member of the largest coaching tree in basketball. Over 1,300 members from all levels, high school to NBA, gain access to over 1,000 hours of coaching clinics. Um, and build genuine relationships with other coaches. Rising Coaches provides the community and the resources that will help you have long-term success in the coaching industry. Please visit Rising Coaches to join or if you got any questions, hit me up.